Hello and welcome to the Life Church Audio Podcast. We hope that you find these messages encouraging, life-giving, and ultimately get you closer to Jesus. Enjoy the message. Thank you. It's amazing to hear that. And uh, the last time I was here with you all and I had the chance to, to speak was in June, and it actually was Pastor Bish and Haley's very first weekend. And uh, it was awesome to see, and I shared that we, uh, my wife and I, after spent a little holiday up in Whistler, and it was amazing, and we got welcomed yesterday with a wonderful snowfall, so thank you for that. Although we're used to it, our weather in Minnesota is much more like Alberta than it is here, and when I say that, people shiver. And uh, so we appreciate your prayers sending our way as we begin this uh, winter, where we joke that after Christmas, the Lord, the Lord leaves, and then he doesn't come back till Easter. Um, some of you understand what that means. Uh, but it's awesome to be here and uh, excited that, you know, over the last several months and really this year, this, as, as I mentioned, my third time here, the first time uh, Pastor Kirk and I, and I know he's been out here recently as well, visited and just kind of asked the question, what if? Like, what if God was doing something here between Life Church and River Valley? And I remember the very first time that we walked into this room earlier this year in March. And the second we walked in, both Kirk and I looked at each other and we said, they are us and we're them. Like, there, there is, it, it, the service hadn't even started yet. It was, it was just the, the talking with people, the fellowship beforehand, and we could tell that God was up to something. And in the, the several months since and being back several times and my parents coming here and just others that have come, it's, it's been so evident that God is doing something through this partnership. And um, what, it, what is so beautiful about it is that the mission hasn't changed, right? It's always been about reaching people for Jesus, and it hasn't changed just because of a name or a brand or uh, adding members to the family. Uh, we're all apart. We've been grafted into the family of God, and because of that, we get to share this message. And so I'm just excited. And before I jump into what I... Uh, want to share today, continuing on with uh, Pastor Bish's message from last week in this Behold series, and obviously we sung this song, Behold Messiah, that uh, my friend Ryan wrote, and just a beautiful song, and uh, it's amazing just how I'm excited to see even more songs, and songs coming from here, and songs coming from back home, uh, what will happen, and uh, Pastor Bish is clapping because he's like, I've written a few of them, uh, although last week I, you did talk about... Uh, you were talking about behold, and you said behold a, a guitar store before you said behold your wife. And so you corrected yourself in the message as I was watching that. I thought, I'm going to give Bish a little bit for that because for me, when I think of behold, my first thought is my wife, Bish. Not a guitar or anything. So we'll continue to pray for Bish and Haley. They're new. They're new. They're only six months in. Yeah. <laughs> But some people may ask the question, and this isn't the, the purpose of my message, but what is River Valley, right? Um, and I feel like I'm qualified to answer the question. Um, I've been a part of the church my entire life. It's 28 years old. I'm 27. Um, so I've literally never known another church. But the mission is the same in our heart, and you've probably heard this language already, but you'll continue to hear it, is we want to lead people into an authentic, life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. That we don't just want people to say they're Christians, we want people to live this out. I know that's the same here as well. Another thing is our heart for people, and it's something that immediately we grabbed a hold of that we share, is that this is not a building that's about us to pat ourselves on the back that we're in. 
This is about a place where we come together realizing that there are people who don't yet know this promise, who don't yet know this truth, maybe even people in this room who say, I don't know that I fully have grabbed a hold of that yet. That we believe that there are more people that need to be reached, not for our glory, but for God's glory. To where he's given us this amazing gift that we're going to talk about today and we'll talk about over these coming weeks in Christmas. It's only two weeks away, by the way. But we believe that there are people that need to receive this message. And the last thing that I think makes our church unique is that we don't want to just do this in the easy places. And we sense this as well in talking to people here. Is, you, know, you mentioned Alpha and announcements. Is we actually want you to invite people that might not know Jesus yet, that might even be antagonistic towards God, that might ask you questions that you might not even know the answer to. We don't want to just be a church that goes into the easy places where we can take a bunch of people from that church and transfer them over to this church. We want to go and we want to make disciples from people who've never heard the message before or who've walked away and bring prodigals home. And we do that by going into places that aren't always easy. And so you'll hear this more frequently, but we send missionaries all over the world. And earlier in our team rally, uh, someone, I, I, I didn't get a chance to meet him, but shared just this amazing testimony about uh, people that are going into difficult and dangerous places. And when you're surrounded by people who have that excitement in them, God does something. And I'm encouraged that I believe that here in Life Church in River Valley that we will be able to do that. And come together realizing that there are people that may be difficult. It may be standing up in your workplace that you've not done that before. It may be inviting the friend that you know that you're supposed to invite. That you even wrote them down on the card earlier or you will after service. Thinking about who are these people. Because this church is not about us. This church is about Jesus. And about all those who need to come and experience that. And I'm happy to talk more about our church. But I know today the word of God is far more important than any church. Any name or any brand or anything. And it is crazy that Christmas is almost here. I joke that it's two weeks away, and I I was like, is that actually right? I don't know about you if you've been preparing for Christmas. And I know it's not all about the Christmas gifts. Of course, it's about the greatest gift that we've received. But there is a practical reality to Christmas gifts, and you're preparing. And my wife and I's families are very different. Uh, My family, it's usually you get one gift or maybe two. Her family, it's like the, the number of gifts that you get it cannot be counted. Like the more, the more gifts you give somebody, the better it is. And I just wasn't used to that. And it doesn't matter necessarily if they're expensive or not. It's just the more things you get to open. So it's like if you have socks and underwear, wrap them separately so you get to open two gifts instead of one. And so I'm learning this about my wife's family. And, it, you know, it's exciting to open all these different things. But it, it means that you actually have to prepare a lot further in advance. And I remember one year we actually finished our Christmas shopping in July which I've never done that before. We're not done yet this year, but it was kind of an overcorrection, right, to where you thought, we have to get everything done, and we were on a trip, and we bought everything. But we're preparing for Christmas and getting all these gifts wrapped. And uh, sometimes, you know, as an adult, it's interesting to know what to ask for for Christmas. The way I process this now is what, like as a kid, you ask what you want, right? This is what I want. I don't really need it, whether it's a video game or whether it's a, a something that a piece of clothing or some shoes but I don't really need them I just want them but as an adult you kind of think what are the things that I need but the problem is what are the things that I need that I didn't need bad enough to buy them on my own but I also I don't need them so bad to where it's kind of awkward asking for it so you're trying to find this middle ground of what is it specifically that I can ask for that's not something that I just want, but something that I need. And so then you end up defaulting just to socks, underwear, and toiletries, and whatever it is. <laughs> but there's a lot of preparation that comes 
with Christmas, and uh, if I get off track, Pastor Bish is going to come up here and say, uh, preach the word, Logan, that's what I asked you to do. But as we lead up to these two weeks, we prepare a lot, and the church prepares a lot, obviously, with spectacular bringing God glory, preparing in our Christmas services, preparing in who we're going to invite to church, and continuing in this theme of behold, this word behold, there's a lot of preparation that went into the birth of Jesus. See this book, there's 66 books within the Bible, and all the books actually point to Christ. They point to what happened in this Christmas season, and of course we'll get into that over these next few weeks, but when you think about the preparation, oftentimes people read in Luke, which we'll get to today, but we read about this preparation, and it didn't start in Luke. It actually started in the first book of the Bible in Genesis, but what's interesting is one of the earliest prophecies in all of Scripture about Jesus Christ coming came from actually a pagan man. You think, what? The, the whole purpose of this story is that it came from Israel, and it actually came from a pagan in, in Numbers, and I'll, I'll, I'll give a, a, a little bit of the story for unfamiliar. I don't have time to read the whole thing. It would take maybe the whole service, but if I can summarize it. He's, this, this man's name's Balaam, and he's famous for a, a talking donkey. I remember in, in children's church, I thought that was pretty cool, that there was a donkey that actually talked. And maybe this is the, your first time hearing about it. But So there's this guy, Balaam, and, and uh, he's kind of like this prophet, this pagan prophet. And the king of Moab uh, was afraid because these Israelites all of a sudden had favor with God. And they start defeating these other armies. And so the king of Moab says, I've got to do something about this. Because if these Israelites actually figure this out, that they can destroy my army, I'm in trouble. So he asked Balaam, this, this prophet, he says, why don't you pray or do whatever you do and curse Israel so that I can be safe and that all of Moab can be safe. And so Balaam's like, all right, maybe I'll do that. But God shows up to Balaam and he says, hey, that would not be a good idea. And of course, if we know anything, we don't want to be opposing God. And so Balaam says, okay, I guess I won't do that. So he goes to the king of Moab and says, I can't do that. He's like, why? He said, well, God kind of showed up to me, and he told me that I can't curse Israel. So they go back and forth, and the the king of Moab just is persistent. He says, would you please curse Israel? Would you please? I'm really afraid. And so Balaam's there talking to the guys, and God says, "If, if I tell you to go, and if the men ask you to go, you can go to the king and tell him what I've told you. But Balaam, instead of waiting for God's word, instead of waiting for these people to ask, he ends up just going anyways and thinking, oh, well, the king did offer me quite a bit of money. He did offer me all these different things. So I'll go at least just chat with him. I'm not saying I'm going to curse Israel, God, but I'm just going to go chat with him. And on his way there, as he's riding his donkey, uh, Jesus, or, or God was very upset with this decision. And so he puts an angel of the Lord in the way, but Balaam doesn't see this. And he actually, the, the donkey that he's riding sees the angel and kind of stops. And Balaam's frustrated, so he whips the donkey. And then the donkey sees the angel again, and it pushes Balaam's foot up against the side. And then finally, a third time, the donkey sees this angel trying to get a clue and lays down. And Balaam's whipping this donkey. What are you doing? Why are you, why are you laying down? And the donkey talks back to him and says, bruh. It's the Logan translation. Do you not see this angel? And God opens the eyes of Balaam and he sees the angel and he falls down on his face. And then a couple chapters later, he says this in Numbers 24. I see him, but now I behold him. 
but not near a star, which represented a king, shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moed and break down the sons of Sheth. You see, he foreshadowed the prophet David and then also foreshadowed Jesus and what he would come. But you see, this was a pagan man, a man who didn't even have this lineage or have a special family or anything, and yet God chose to, spoke, to speak not just through him, but also through a donkey. And so maybe you're here, and you feel like, I don't know that God can use me. Well, he can use a donkey. He can use a person who is a pagan sorcerer in some ways to actually proclaim of his goodness. And I think part of this message and this whole story today that we're going to get into with Mary is that God is not looking for people who are perfect. God is not looking for people who have everything figured out, who come from the right family line. He's looking for people who are willing. And even if you're not willing, if God wants to use you, he's going to get in your way and he's going to make it happen. And we see these, these proclamations, this preparation that's happening with Jesus. There's so many prophecies, I don't have time to read all of them, but we see in Isaiah, and Pastor Bish talked about Isaiah last week in one of the prophecies there, but you see in Isaiah 7, 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. What's interesting in Isaiah, if you read further past chapter 9, which Bish talked about last week, you see that the people actually started to care more about the darkness and not about their promise. You see, they were distracted by the wars around them, by the politics, by the darkness and evil that was around them. Sounds nothing like today, right? But you see, we actually have seen the promise fulfilled. It was maybe is a little bit more understandable in the Old Testament when they didn't yet see the promise, when they were waiting on the promise. But for us, we're going back in time reading about the story. The promise is already fulfilled. First John in the New Testament 2.8 says, At the same time, it's a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and you. Why? Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So for us as New Testament believers, we have the light that's already shining. Jesus is alive, right? They didn't even have that, and they were distracted by the darkness. But yet us, who have that promise, who've seen Jesus, he's risen from the dead, that he's alive today, that we're alive in Christ, we still get distracted by the darkness. We still get distracted by all the things in this world that get in our way, that the wars that are going on, the social media posts, the misinformation, the turning people against each other, the price of this or that or the mortgage rates, whatever it is, we get distracted and we forget about the light that is already shining. But the Old Testament continues with this prophecy. Again, there's so many more, but in in the prophet Jeremiah after Isaiah, there's another behold. Jeremiah 31, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers of the day. It's different. When I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant, oh, by the way, they broke it, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, prophesying of Jesus, and I will remember their sin no more. It's a verse we've heard before, and it's actually quoted multiple times throughout Scripture. Is the, the law will be written on their heart. And it's kind of confusing because you 
you're wondering, okay, if I'm a follower of Jesus, does that mean that I'm going to memorize all 66 books of the Bible? Does that mean that I'm going to be the best Bible quiz person around? And the answer to that is no, although it wouldn't be a bad thing. What it means is that when we are followers of Christ, that we actually change our perspective, we change our view from the law being something that we have to do, to the law being something that we get to do so that we can glorify God. And you see that our hearts actually change to say, God, oh my goodness, look at all these laws that I have to do. Look at all the things that, that you're telling me that I have to obey. And it becomes very legalistic. But you see, when the law is written on our heart, we see, God, I know that your ways are higher than my ways. God, I know that your truth is better than my truth. God, I know that your word is better than my words. And so I'm going to trust you that even things that I may not fully understand, that even things that seem a little bit odd to me, that are countercultural, that I'm going to trust in you because the word of God, the law is written on my heart and any parents with toddlers feel that day will never come for them. I know for me as I was a kid, uh, when my parents put me in a timeout, I was so angry that I would try to fight them. And I would like try to punch them and fight them. My dad actually, if it was a five-minute timeout, he actually had to hold me in the corner as I would fight him and try to beat, beat him up. And I was about one-fifth the size of him, so it never worked. But eventually I would get tired out and I would fall asleep in the corner. Well, you see, the Word of God being written on our heart means that we're different. We change. And I want to get to this story, which is the main portion here of this message and Luke chapter 1, verse 26. This is a lengthy passage, and so I may disrupt myself in the midst of it. But In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man who was named Joseph. And betrothed, basically, many many, uh, kids would be engaged when they're four or five years old, but eventually when they came of age, then they would be betrothed, and it was this year-long kind of official engagement that actually could only be broken by divorce. But they were engaged, they weren't yet married, but arranged by their families, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Sometimes we read she was greatly troubled and we think, why was she troubled? Well, in the middle of her day or her night or whatever was going on, an angel appeared to her. And I think sometimes we take what our foreknowledge of the story and fill it in when we read it and try to understand why was Mary so confused? An angel appeared. I don't know if anyone in this room has ever had a physical angel appear to them right in front of them. But it would probably be scary. The angel said to her, do not be afraid. Why do they always say do not be afraid? Because they probably look scary. For you have found favor with God. And this, the way I want to read that verse is that Mary was such a good daughter of God that she was favored And because of her excellence, and because of her obedience, and because of how much God saw in her, he favored her. But that's not what this verse means. And it could have been true. It doesn't mean that she was not necessarily a good person. But what this means is God chose to favor you. And I think sometimes as Christ followers, 
we feel that how can I do something that will get me favor with God? And the truth is, that's not how it works. God chooses to favor us, and he actually chose the greatest thing, is actually to favor us by giving us eternal life through Jesus. But it wasn't Mary's works that got her to be the mother of Jesus. It was God who decided that Mary would be the one that he would favor. And here we see this first behold in verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, which means salvation. He'll be great, and he'll be called Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, going back to the prophecy that we read earlier. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? Some people think, was she questioning this angel? No, she was asking a very practical question. Uh, I know I may only be 14 or 15 years old, but I've already figured out that this is how children, and I've not done that, so how's this going to work? What that also teaches me in reading this is that God can handle our questions. He can handle our honest questions, and sometimes we feel like we can't question God. And I think there's a difference between asking God a question and being disobedient, right? When God asks you to do something, we feel, ooh, this is my time to question God. But truth, truthfully, the, the answer is, no, you can ask God questions about, will, I, will you give me more information, or am I supposed to just step out now? Or... You look at Moses talking, God, I don't know, I have a stutter. I'm not sure that I'm the right person to do this. There's conversation with God. You see, in relationship, you can ask questions, but when God gives you a directive, as we saw with the story of Balaam, that we obviously want to obey. In verse 35, And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold... If you didn't believe me yet, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Somebody, that's the message you need to hear today. Nothing will be impossible with God. That for Elizabeth, who is barren, who is infertile, God says, hey, look at the miracle I did. And for Mary, who is a virgin, he said, look at the miracle that I did. And Mary said, this... The core verse of this whole message. Verse 38. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You see, Mary, in the midst of asking these questions, she realizes that God has favored her and given her this opportunity to become the mother of the Savior of the world. And instead of rejecting this because of her fear or because of her age or because of her shame or anything, she says, behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. And I think a lot of us, if we put ourselves in the story, we would like to think that that would be our response as well. We'd like to think that God asks you to do something and we would say, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. No question, I'm in. But unfortunately, we struggle with our own anxieties and our fear. We struggle with what people will think of us. And 
there's a few things that we can learn from this with Mary is Mary had faith without fully understanding. A lot of us need to know everything in order to make a decision. I need to know all the details. I need to know who's going to be there. I need to know what, what's the attire that I need to wear to go there. What's the food going to be like? How long are we staying? Are we going to leave? Are we going to leave like last time? Are you going to say you're going to leave and we're actually not going to leave because you're going to be talking to that person? I mean, no, there's always that one that's like, I'm ready to go, and the other person's like, no, I'm ready to stay. I'm ready to party. Come on. But she didn't fully understand everything, but she obeyed anyways. I remember there was a time... I played basketball, and I didn't play for very long because I was the smallest person in my grade all the time, and it didn't work out very well. But my dad was the coach of the team, and there was no other coach available. And so he, he ended up coaching, and we had uh, the, the player in, I think it was fourth or fifth grade. And how many you know the best player in fourth or fifth grade is just the one who's gone through puberty the quickest? You know? And so there's one kid who's, who started puberty. The rest of us haven't yet. And so he's like five foot four, and we're all like, Four foot. So he's our best player by default. And, and in basketball, there's only a certain number of fouls that you can get before you foul out of the game. And so he had one foul left in order for him to get fouled out, and I was sitting there on the bench. So my dad throws me into the game, and I'm there, and both of us go up to swat the ball away, and the ref calls a foul. <laughs> and my dad points at me, and he says, Logan, raise your hand. And I go, what? What? And he goes, raise your hand. You take the foul. I said, but it wasn't me. And he goes, no, just, you, t- and you take the foul. And so the ref called it on me. And I looked at him. I said, that wasn't me. It was him. My dad says, no, 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 no. You take the foul. Take the foul. And I remember on the court, I started crying. I was so mad at my dad. And I said, dad, why did you do that? He said, I'm coaching the team. Go over there to one of our family friends, and he's going to explain it to you. And he began to explain to me that, no, he's our best player. You both went up there fouled. You have five more fouls that you can have. But we didn't want him to foul out of the game because, quite honestly, we don't really need you in the game, Logan. <laughs> and through my tears, I understood. But a lot of times, that's us, right? God asks us to do something, and... Say, but that wasn't my plan. That wasn't what I was supposed to do. But, but, but God, you want them to get the credit? You want them to get the glory? But, but that, that's not how I wrote it in my journal. That's not how I dreamt it to be. You see, in the midst of our lack of understanding, oftentimes we wait and we're not obedient. But Mary, she had faith without understanding. Another thing she did is she obeyed even though it cost her dearly. We don't read much about how much it cost her, but if you understand the context of this culture, getting pregnant before you were married was very shameful. People, of course, would have started rumors about her. Even Joseph had to have his own visit from an angel to confirm that this was from God. But I'm sure that many in their family didn't fully understand. They didn't have an angel appear to them. Or if they did, it wasn't in Scripture. But there's all these people that now think things about her. And the truth is that she was given this favor by God, but sometimes favor from God does not equal favor from man. And you see, we're asking God, God, would you give me favor? But then all of a sudden, your favor with 
your company or your favor with your family or your favor with that friend group that you have starts to change. And you, God, you see, I thought I was asking for favor in this world and favor with you. And God says, sometimes it works that way. It did for Joseph until it didn't. It did for Daniel until he was thrown into a lion's den. You see, there's seasons of our life where sometimes the favor of God matches up with the favor of this world, but other times it doesn't. And Mary, even knowing what it would cost her and what people would believe about her, she says, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. And lastly, she's truly excited. In the midst of this shame, in the midst of the rumors that surely would come, in the midst of a change of direction of her life, that she was getting ready to be married but wasn't ready to be a mother yet, she's truly excited. And some of us would be like another donkey, Eeyore. Oh, my God. I mean, I know, God, that I'm favored by you, but would, it would have been nice to at least wait a little bit longer. It would have been nice for me to, you know, have my party for the wedding. It would have been nice to been able to have that. But I know I'm, I'm favored by you. I get it. I get it. I know, God. You have everything for me. Yeah, all the desires, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't feel like that. We're kind of like Eeyore in our faith. And we're half-heartedly thanking God. Like, thank you, God, for losing my job. Thanks, God. You know, it's like... (sighs) But that's not Mary's attitude. And we see this a few verses later where she writes a song. Maybe a good way to say it would be the very first Christmas carol that was ever written. And I'll read a few lines. And Mary said, in verse 46, My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. That doesn't sound like an attitude of someone who was lamenting what God had given her. That sounds like an attitude of someone who fully understood the favor that God had put on her life. That she says, all these people, she knows. She knows the prophecies. She knows what would happen. All these people will call me blessed for this. I didn't deserve this, but holy is he immediately. When Mary receives this news, she turns to praising God. She turns to glorifying him. And some of us ask to be used by God, and then there's an opportunity to be generous. And oh man, the church just wants the money. God, I want you to use me. And there's a, a coworker expresses an interest of God, and you think, oh, maybe I should invite him to, to Alpha. And uh, I don't know. I don't want to be laughed at, or maybe they wouldn't care. You see, we should look at these opportunities that are in front of us, that God prepares us, that he's working, even when we don't see it, right? He's working behind the scenes that for thousands of years to fulfill this prophecy, he was making it happen. He already knew the story, but for us, we don't know it yet. And so all we can do is we can humble ourselves before the Lord, and we can say, God, I'm ready, whatever you ask me to do. I'm ready to serve you when you tell me to go this way. I'm ready to serve you even if it costs me something. I'm ready to serve you. If other people call me blessed, what am I going to do? I'm going to deflect the glory to you. 
Because it's always been your plan. And it's always been your purpose. And so I'd ask all of us today, is what is God asking us to do today? What is he asking us to do in this Christmas season that aligns our purpose with his purpose? That aligns our heart with his heart? And for some of you, you already know what he's asked you to do. And it's your opportunity to step into into the obedience. And for others, you're waiting on a response and you're saying, I'm going to continue to serve you. I'm going to continue to be faithful. I'm going to continue to trust you. But I'm ready to hear what you have for me, to be obedient to what you're saying and maybe there's a third group of us that has almost put the headphones in and is trying to not listen because maybe you're afraid of what God's asking you to do you're trying to avoid what could be obvious that maybe you're a believer and the word's written on your heart but you're almost rejecting this you're almost pushing this away because you feel God maybe you'll ask me to do something that's uncomfortable maybe you'll ask me to do something that will cost me something And it's not a guarantee that it will, but it's also not a guarantee that it won't. And God says, do you trust me? Do you trust me in that I, in this book, prophesied this thousands and thousands of years for this very moment to happen? So unexpected in a city of Nazareth that people would have thought, it's what they said to Jesus, what good can come out of Nazareth? You may think in your life, what good could come out of my family? What good could come out of my career? What good could come out of somebody who's fallen short time and time and time again? That's what Mary says. He looked upon the humble state of his servant, but what does he say? He says, I want to use you. I want to use you for my glory and my glory alone. Can we bow our heads? God, I pray right now that we'd recognize that God, you have shown us in your word, behold who you are. You have shown us that you are preparing a way for every single one of your children, every single one of us in this room. God, you are preparing, you are working on our behalf, God. And I pray that we'd recognize that knowing that there will be a day that our behold moment may come and we may not get the credit, we may not get the glory. But God, I pray that we would be obedient and we would respond to you just as Mary did humbly, giving you glory, giving you honor and saying yes, knowing that you are our king, you are our God and we want to do anything you ask us to do today. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Life Church audio podcast. If this message spoke to you, go ahead and share it with your friends and family. And let's get the word of God into the lives of more people out there. For more information about us, go to thisislifechurch.com. And remember that we can make a difference by loving people.